Well, hello and welcome back to Between the Shadows. This is Kristen. This is Kara. Thank you guys so much for coming back. We are so happy to be here talking dark shadows and we are so happy. Thank you for giving us your time. Thank you for giving us your attention. And we are on with the show. I'm not even gonna, not even gonna pretend. Let's get right into it. <laughs> so, but but before before all that, because it's, it's been a little while, um, I do want to give a shout out to Miss Penny Dreadful and Tara Collinwood and mm-hmm. resident of Collinwood. We did we did two guest spots since yeah. the last time we released an episode. We did um, a guest spot on Tara at Collinwood about the parallel time 1970, yes. which was so exciting. You guys, it's one of my very mm-hmm. favorite times of Dark Shadows. Mm-hmm. And um, just a week later. We mm-hmm. did a guest spot with Jewel on Resident of Collinwood talking about Vampires of Dark Shadows, y'all. And that was yeah. exciting, too. Yeah. So shout out to both of you guys. Thank you both for having us on. It is a joy. It is a pleasure. It is an honor to be mm-hmm. included. And we, I can't wait till we go back. Honestly. I know. It's, it's so exciting. I know. It was so much fun, guys. Thank you. Yes. So thank you both. We love y'all. So last time we chatted on our show, Between mm-hmm. the Shadows, we talked about... The arrival of Eric Lane and the arrival of Jeff Clark, yes. who these were two brand new characters that got introduced to Dark Shadows. Of course, Jeff Clark was kind of one that we recognized because he looked so much like Peter Bradford. Mm-hmm. You automatically um, adapt to him because of his look. Yes, but. definitely. But he, he is Jeff Clark. He is very, very adamant about, I am Jeff Clark. <laughs> I am not Peter Bradford. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't care what you say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Dr. Eric Lang has mostly cured Barnabas of his vampirism Mm -hmm. and done a better job than Julia at the moment he and he's and Dr. Lang said this in uh in conversation with Barnabas that he has medicine available to him that wasn't available to Julia right so we don't know really the writers did an excellent job of keeping us in suspense keeping Mm us in the shadow Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just hiding, hiding the what Dr. Lang was actually doing with this, you know, how he was actually going to cure Barnabas permanently. Right. And this is kind of where we are in the story. Um, last place we left off, Barnabas is completely depressed that Vicky has turned him down, doesn't want to marry him because of her experience in the past. And he has gone to Eric Lang and said, let's just stop. I, I don't I don't care what happens anymore. And I, I don't I don't care if I ever get cured of this thing. So let's just stop. So Dr. Lang has offered Barnabas a pretty hefty promise. He's offered Barnabas the chance to look exactly like Jeff Clark. And doing this, he's also guaranteed that he will fully cure him of the curse of vampirism. Mm-hmm. So while they're having this conversation, Dr. Lang and Barnabas, Jeff comes in and interrupts. And he's carrying a box under his arm, you yeah. know. And Barnabas is like, okay, we're good here. I'm going to leave, you know. Dr. Lang talked him down. So So once Barnabas leaves, we see a human arm in the box and nothing else. There's nothing else, just the human arm. And Dr. Lang comments on how perfect a specimen it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so here here we have a clue of just what Dr. Lang's experiment was. He's got this human arm and we're going, what? No. It's like I was saying earlier, it's like, how bizarre, really? Yes, how bizarre are we talking? We get to see now. (laughs) And like I said, the writers were excellent in not telling us anything for the time being. All we saw was this freaking arm. Yeah. (laughs) And the mystery just, it stayed put. Mm -hmm. So... (laughs) 
<laughs> so we go to Collinwood, and Mrs. Johnson um, tells Elizabeth that Roger hasn't been in his room. We remember that Roger took Angelique's painting and just left. Yeah, that's the last we saw him. Yes, and he hasn't been home. He hasn't slept in his bed. His bed's made. Mrs. Johnson's like, I didn't even have to do anything because he didn't sleep. He didn't sleep here. Right. And Mrs. Johnson, she, she wants to call the police immediately because, you know, Mrs. Johnson. She's a worry ward. She is. Very, <laughs> very much so. If you look worry ward up in the dictionary, there is Sarah Johnson's picture. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yes. But Liz is like, look, this is kind of like Roger. Let's not do anything until evening comes. I'm, I'm not going to worry about it. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> so Mrs. Johnson also takes this opportunity to ask Elizabeth if her son, Harry Johnson, can stay with them for a little while. Right. And I think it's worth mentioning that during this scene, there is a knock at the door and it's Barnabas. And he walks in and says, good afternoon to Elizabeth. Not good evening. Yeah. Not the sun is down and it's nighttime and I'm in my prime. Good afternoon, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. The sun is still up and shining in all of its glory. And there's Barnabas knocking at the door and calling what, ah, oh, it made my heart so happy. Yeah. But <laughs> this is the first time he's been out of the hospital since Dr. Lang worked with, worked his magic or science or whatever, whatever it was that Dr. Lang did with Barnabas. And Barnabas is able just to stand in the daylight and he's been able to begin his new life as a regular man. And the first thing he did was go to see his family. Yeah. I thought that was great. Yeah. And I think it says a lot about Barnabas as a man. Before he became a vampire, he was very much devoted to his family. And I think that he never lost that devotion. Now that he's a man again, he's like, my family, my new family. You know, I can't get my old family back. I think he's past that. He's got... A brand new outlook on life. Yeah. Like before, when he came out of the coffin, you know, he he had the the costume party. He was trying to recreate that moment in history, trying to get his family back. But now he's got this new outlook, you know, and now he's like, I'm going to focus on present day Collinses. These are my family. So I just, I had to, I had to point that out. I like it. So. They both take this time to discuss um, their concern about Roger, the way he's been acting. Yeah. And how he is now sort of uh, missing. He's, he's sort of missing. They don't... I they don't like, really know. It, it is kind of like Roger to disappear for a little while. Like That's why she said hold off. Right. It, it's kind of like the Burke Devlin thing. He was always in and out. So yeah. this isn't uncommon for Roger. Right. Elizabeth associates Roger's strange behavior as... Like with Vicky bringing in the strange painting. Yeah, she kind like of she kind of correlates been... the two. You know, yeah. it, it, he didn't start acting weird until she brought the painting in. Right. So right. she she explains how strange he's been acting and how at one point he even sis- insisted that he was the master of the house and accused her of drinking too much. We talked about that last time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, look at your hand, it's shaking. And she's like, with rage. And she, you know, smacks him across the face. Yeah. And Liz, you hit me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Barnabas tells Elizabeth that he strongly suggests that the painting be removed from the house and Elizabeth tells him that it's already been taken from the house and that moment Vicky walks in and tells her account of Roger the previous night you know he mm-hmm. she had to hold up the phone and be like do you know what this is yeah you know and she tells them both that he was acting peculiar when he left with the painting and Vicky makes an excellent point here too she tells Barnabas that Joshua Collins was one of the few people who were not affected by Angelique's curse mm-hmm. and that she believes Angelique is trying to finish what she started with Roger. Mm-hmm. I've been asking this question the whole time. Why, why, why Roger? Why Roger? Right. Vicky just told us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so she's frightened about the whole thing, but Barnabas isn't hearing a word of it, mm-hmm. you know, and he is more focused on her neck and how he'd love to sink his teeth into it yeah he's, he's that's all he's that worried urge. about right now like he's, he's feeling that urge can't. again for blood you know? yeah yeah and once once barnabas leaves 
Vicky gets a nice little flashback when someone knocks at the door and Harry Johnson shows up and he is, of course, the spitting image of Noah Gifford, who Vicky remembers killing in 1795. She's like one of the last people she really saw. And we kind of get a sense that Harry is not quite a stand-up guy because his mother, Sarah Johnson, ends mm-hmm. up asking him what he did to frighten them so much. Mm-hmm. Like, she, ha- she has no idea. Like, she just assumes that Harry freaking did something. Yeah. And we kind of get a, uh, a sense that maybe he's a thief and he spent some time in prison because he talks about having itchy fingers with his mother. Mm-hmm. And so we find out that Roger checked into the Collinsport Inn after he left Collinwood and he stayed there for what seemed like 24 hours and then checked out again. We're not real sure of the time frame, but we guess that because it was the next morning, it was probably about 24 hours. Mm-hmm. But this is when Barnabas tells Julia about Angelique. They haven't had a conversation about Angelique yet. And Julia's like, who's Angelique? You know? Mm-hmm. And as far as, as far as Julia is concerned, she had no idea when and how and what were the circumstances of this curse being put on Barnabas. Well, now he's going to tell her, he's mm-hmm. going to tell her. Mm-hmm. And he tells her how he was married to her and that Angelique was the one who put the curse on him and the family. And after Julia produces the head mirror that Mrs. Johnson found in Roger's room, Barnabas insists that they leave and I would assume go to Lang's. You know, they didn't say where they were going. It's like, we got to go right now. Mm-hmm. And so this is where we flash to Dr. Lang at his house. And, you know, he's he's a doctor and he's busy probably cooking up some kind of weird science. And, yeah. <laughs> and Roger shows up insisting on seeing him because he feels like he's about to die. Roger was like, I can't explain it. I've had a premonition. And it, like he had a prophecy or something. Yeah. But all of this, I believe, was kind of a pretense so that Roger could attempt to kill Dr. Lang with one of the harpoons hanging on the wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. just as Roger is getting ready to run Dr. Lang through with the harpoon, there's a knock at the door and it's Barnabas and Julia. Yeah. And Roger snaps out of it and Julia takes him away from the house. So Saved by the bill. Yeah. Thanks, Julia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, I mean, he, he says, I'm about to die, but I kind of think that was just the excuse that he used because he's still under the portrait's power, Angelique's power, we right. can assume. Right. So Well, and then Barnabas tells Lang that Roger came to kill him and shows him the head mirror. Mm-hmm. Barnabas tries to convince the doctor that Roger was possessed by the witch, and it was she who caused his headaches at the hospital because Roger took his head mirror and was acting for her. And Dr. Lang is very skeptical about it and says he's a man of science and doesn't know if he believes it. Yeah, I mean I mean you got science on your side so that that is kind of a prejudice, you know, yeah. you can't yeah. you can only believe what you can prove. Right. Right. <laughs> so Right. Uh, so, I mean, Julia comes back after a few short minutes, I mean, literally, it's just one or two minutes, and tells the guys that she was stopped at an intersection, and Roger freaking got out of the car and just disappeared. Uh-huh. And she's like, I, I don't know where he went, I have no idea. Yeah. But the next scene, we see Roger at Professor Stokes' house, and he's trying to give he's trying to give Stokes the painting, because Roger realizes he almost killed a man and he doesn't know why yeah and he he's kind of gathered is really smart on roger's part which is a little bit unexpected but whatever <laughs> but still showing that he can't be completely kind of taken over by right he can't he's not completely convinced which oh which is power yeah I exactly mean. and and roger up into this point has been such the skeptical one about super super definitely. natural and, and phenomenon you know. he's always been the first one to fight to argue it. Yeah, I to mean, argue it. again, we'll, we'll look at the seance that sent Vicky back to the past. He still doesn't quite believe that that happened. He right. thinks it was mass hysteria, and it right. was just like, but he, he's always the skeptic, so I think that kind of played into why Angelique couldn't completely take him over, which is why we will get to shortly 
why I think she shows up in physical form. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, he's at Professor Stokes and he's begging the professor just to take the painting. Just take it. Uh-huh. And Stokes doesn't, he objects because he doesn't feel like he can just take it without paying for it. But Roger, he just, he's pretty insistent on leaving without it. Yeah. And he unwraps the painting, but the picture is completely gone and there's only like a white mm-hmm. picture Blank. and nothing yeah. else. There's nothing on the, the canvas. Yeah. And... The painting shows back up at Collinwood along with all of Roger's bags, but with no Roger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Elizabeth and Vicky and Barnabas, they're all kind of talking about what to do about the missing Roger and Roger's behavior. And at that moment, there's Roger. He shows up and he's so happy. He's ecstatic. He's elated and wants to pop champagne because he's brought <laughs> a new wife home. <laughs> oh boy. It's most definitely Angelique. Oh, yes. There, no question. <laughs> but it's currently going by the name of Cassandra. Cassandra. And she has short black hair instead of her long, beautiful blonde hair, you know, the typical Angelique, yes. you know. And she's married Roger. She's she, the new Mrs. Collins of Collinwood. Yeah, first we had Laura Collins, yeah. and now we have Cassandra Collins. There By the way, many. here's a little bit of trivia, and it's pretty easy to guess, especially for us Dark Shadows fans. Do you know what Cassandra's maiden name is? Cassandra Blair, because Nicholas is her brother. <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, it comes up later. It's almost it's almost like a, a trick question. It is a little bit it's of a, a trick, trick question. question. I mean, that's the name she's going by, but we know that she's Angelique Bouchard. We know that. That was a trick question. Yeah, it was, it was a trick question. <laughs> but that's the name she chooses to go by. You know, I was thinking, oh, Cassandra Stokes. And I'm like, nope, that's parallel time. Sorry, we just, we just got done talking about that. I'm like, oh, Cassandra Stokes. No, silly. It was Alexis Stokes and Angelique Stokes. But anyway, <laughs> so we don't know what Angelique's game is at this point. We, we pretty much guess that she's followed Vicky, Vicky back from the past. And I guess it's because she was curious to see what became of the Collins family in the future. Or maybe she just wanted to see if Barnabas is still operating as a vampire or if he's been found out and destroyed yet. And I also wonder if it could be because her master sent her there. There's there's plenty of room for speculation about why Angelique came back at yeah. this point in time. Yeah. The family obviously and understandably is shocked and surprised by all of it. And Elizabeth is surprised because she didn't know this woman and there was no mention of her before this moment. It's like yeah. where did she just came out of she reproduced her out of thin air. Yeah. And I do want to point out though it's kind of funny because later on, way on down and later in the show, you know, first we have Laura Collins, who is the Phoenix, of course, and then we have Angelique, who is going by the name Cassandra, but she is actually Angelique. At, at one point in the show, we actually do get to see a showdown between Roger's wives, and it's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, this is in the Quentin era, and she's not Roger's wife at that point. She's Edward's wife at that point, but I, I just think it's kind of cool. Eventually, we do get to see a showdown between these two, and it's yeah. kind of cool. yeah. But um, in my opinion, I think that Barnabas and Vicky knew who this was upon first glance. They knew it. Mm -hmm. Sure, she might have looked a little different, but they knew, especially Barnabas. You don't just forget the woman who cursed you for eternity. I don't care if she got black hair or blonde hair. That's that's the woman. That's her. (laughs) I mean, you just, you know. You know. Like, you know that feeling. Again, that's what they have in common, Vicky and Barnabas, I think, as well. I mean, being in tune kind of with time and the macabre if you want to go there mm-hmm. and and these it's two just people, that feeling you get exactly and mm-hmm. barnabas and vicky lived back then yeah so i mean the family wouldn't have known that was angelique there was yeah. no mention of her yeah in in the in the family history so i mean even though she looks just like the woman in the picture who's got the blonde curls you yeah. know they're like 
Who? The, the black, yeah, the black hair was like, I guess it was the perfect disguise for the rest of the family, but yes, because right. these two lived back then, it was like they mm-hmm. knew her face from actually seeing it face to face, not just on a canvas. So An- Angelique, I think, <laughs> I think is certainly acting mousy at this moment, though. She's trying to be the proper wife. And mm-hmm. if we didn't know any better, she would seem like the perfect little woman. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> she greets the family and, you know, she says she hopes that they'll all become good friends. And, oh, I hope I hope David likes me. Oh, how I hope he'll love me, you know. Yeah. And <laughs> and Roger, this is this one. This one made me laugh a little bit. He insisted on a honeymoon in the West Indies, possibly Martinique. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Proving more and more that this woman is, in fact, Angelique. Yeah. She's Angelique. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They're making you believe it with everything. Right. And yeah. even when I watched this for the very first time as a teenager, I'm like, that's Angelique. She got black hair. Mm-hmm. And I looked at Dad and I'm like, she came back. He's like, I told you she would. <laughs> <laughs> I told you she would. And <laughs> Roger says to Cassandra that an evening with Barnabas is like reading a history book, which also made me laugh a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think that since Barnabas has begun his new life as a man again, I think he's more interested now in the present time. But now he has to focus his attentions on this strange woman and figure out what her game is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like he's got, you know, this whole new outlook on life right now and he's got to go live back in the past again. Yeah, to figure out this woman's it's game. It's like it's like god. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> there is a moment where Liz insists on speaking to Roger alone and leaves Barnabas and Cassandra alone for a moment. The first time. The alone. first yes, in in 200 years. Now I I yeah. thought for sure I thought for sure that Barnabas was going to be straight up with her and just mm-hmm. ask her what her game was at the moment, but he didn't. He comments on how much she loves the drawing room, and he does ask her if she's ever been in the house before, but and no, but no mention of whether or not she's Angelique. It's a casual question. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I thought I thought Barnabas would come at her immediately. You got to play it cool. And and I <laughs> and maybe maybe it's because he's trying to live his brand new life, and he's you know maybe he's just not interested yet. Maybe but he thought he was going crazy. Maybe, you know. I, you I mean, know, you got a question. There are several instances of people looking like other people. You know, the entire Collins family has a duplicate in the past, you know. So maybe he didn't want to jump the gun just yet. Yeah. But with all the weird stuff that's been happening since this portrait came into the house. Right. It did surprise me that he didn't just jump on her immediately. True. So I, I don't know. True. I don't know. Now, when Liz pulled Roger away mm-hmm. to speak to him privately... She and Roger fight about this sudden marriage. Mm -hmm. And Elizabeth, the constant keeper of the family honor, you know, wants the marriage annulled because of the possible scandal it would bring to the family. And she is Joshua Collins in the present day. She just is. She is, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's not quite so strict and so one, you know, narrow-minded as Joshua, I think. But she does have that sense of, you know, we're still Collinses. We still yeah. have a rep to uphold here. So she was um, Edith. Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. She 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 might be closer to Edith or Judith. You know or when Judith, Ju- when really, Judith yeah. became the mistress of Collinwood. Yeah. Uh, Judith, I think was. <laughs> she was an old hag. Sorry, Judith, but she was. <laughs> she was an unmarried old hag. But um, but I think I think Elizabeth was probably closer to Edith. I, I would agree with that. She still has kindness in her heart. Yeah. Exactly. She she wasn't. Uh, I, I, I feel Joshua was a little bit heartless because he rarely ever showed love where Elizabeth does. Absolutely. Uh, Elizabeth yeah. has much love for her family, for Carolyn, yeah. for David, yeah. for her brother, which is why they're fighting about this. Yeah. 
And I mean, Roger tells her that he met Cassandra in Rockport, which also happens to be where Professor Stokes lives. Mm -hmm. And we do learn later that Roger and Cassandra met at Professor Stokes's house. And apparently Cassandra was a student at the college where he teaches and he was her faculty advisor. And Roger kind of makes a good case about the whole thing. You know, he I'm lonely and I, I don't feel like I have time to go through the whole courting and dating and getting to know you before marriage and He's like, I, I'm tired of doing the right thing. I wanted to try some wrong, you know, and, and yeah. this this was that, yeah. you know. Yeah. And Elizabeth wants Cassandra to know that Roger hasn't been well lately in the head and that he should have some tests, you know. And yeah. Roger threatens to leave with Cassandra and never return if she goes through with it and the whole song and dance that these Collinses tend to go through. Rich people problems. Rich people problems. <laughs> mo money, mo problems. <laughs> <laughs> But Elizabeth does tell Cassandra about Roger's strange behavior and suggests that they do get their marriage annulled and also suggests that Cassandra married him for his money. Yeah. Which yeah. the keeper of the family honor is is well within her rights to ask, mm-hmm. you know, because she's the holder of all the money. She's, you know, she she's the matriarch, you know. Yeah. And she informs her that the house and the business are hers and Roger is just lucky enough to live there and work there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she urges Cassandra to take Roger to see a doctor. And I, I think I think Liz is way more graceful than Joshua ever was with this whole thing. You know, like he let he let that things like this get to him a little too much. Like when he was trying to buy Angelique off, you know, this is kind of the same thing because it's 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 Angelique all over again, but it's with the present day Collinses. Right. So Elizabeth and yeah. Joshua handled these situations very differently. It's the oh, same yeah. situation, different different husband, different um, head of the family, but the same situation. I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Joshua was like, well, I'll, I'll disown you completely. And this and that. Elizabeth didn't do that with, with Roger. No. She didn't tell him, if you marry this girl, you're going to be kicked out of Collinwood. You're not going to work anymore. I'm not going to give you an allowance. He didn't, she didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, personally, I think Elizabeth handled this situation better than Joshua. Absolutely. When, when Angelique wanted to marry Barnabas. She had more grace, more she love. She did. She did. She was way more More graceful. honor for the family honor. Abs- absolutely. Absolutely. So. And I, I think the love in her heart that she had for her family had a lot to do with that. But in the meantime, them talking about Roger needing to see a doctor. Right. Roger, in the same moment, really is persisting that they take a honeymoon. Mm-hmm. But Cassandra finds a way to stay their visit at Collinwood by hurting her ankle. Yeah. yeah. And Julia goes into examiner, but she's only sprained it and welcomes her to Collinwood and congratulates her in her marriage. Mm-hmm. And Cassandra says she is the first to wish her the best. Yeah. Like, she's the first yes. well wishes from anybody yeah. so far. And they have a short conversation about the family and Barnabas. Yeah, so it's just, I think it's just banter like at just, this point. Family, yeah. or friendly banter, I guess. Yeah. And then next we see Victoria at the gazebo where she has asked Julia to meet her. Mm-hmm. And Vicky has already figured it out. She knows that Cassandra is the same woman in the portrait. Mm-hmm. She knows. She's got it figured out. And she tries to tell Julia that Cassandra is Angelique, and she has followed her back from the past. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure that Julia buys any of it at first. It's pretty radical. Julia has science on her side, too. So yeah. she's a little skeptical as well. But the difference is between her and Lang, I think, is that Julia has seen the supernatural. I mean, she was there at that seance. Yeah. And so I, I think she was a little more, she was easier to persuade than Dr. Lang was. 
But I, I don't, I think you're right. I think she didn't buy it at first. Yeah. I mean, she Julia even says, you know, she tries to justify it. And she says that Jeff Clark looks just like Peter Bradford and Barnabas Collins looks just like his ancestor. Mm-hmm. Granted, that second one doesn't matter because we know we know the situation. They're the same person. <laughs> yeah, but at the moment, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, it's valid in an argument. But Vicky, she's persistent and tells her that if something isn't done, someone's going to die. And that she's sure that that someone is Barnabas. Mm-hmm. Because the only person that Angelique cared for was Barnabas. Yeah. And she's sure that she has returned. Angelique has returned to settle some kind of score, but doesn't know what the score is. Yeah. Vicky didn't know that Barnabas was a vampire. Like, this is the thing that Barnabas was worried about when Vicky came back. Mm-hmm. And the, she, he was worried that Phyllis Wick knew, too. But she didn't know. She didn't know what the curse was. Yeah. You know, she just, she didn't know, she didn't know the magnitude of what the score was. Yeah. That needed to be settled. But she's sure that Angelique's back to settle it, whatever it is. Right. So. Right. And later on, then, we see Roger and Cassandra in their room at Collinwood. And this is when Angelique chooses to cast her first spell as Cassandra. Mm-hmm. They're talking about the family and about Barnabas. And Cassandra puts a potion in Roger's drink and causes him to pass out. But not before she makes him tell her he does love her. Yeah. And after he passes out, she walks just, you know, like she owns the place, walks down to the foyer, you know, and yeah. sees the portrait of Barnabas and just begins to plot. She plots and plots. She was like, you think you think that this was over. She's like, I promise you mm-hmm. that this curse before too long, this curse will be back on you. That that is the promise she makes to, to the portrait of Barnabas, you know. It didn't she, take them long to let us know that it really was her. Yes, definitely. Yeah, there was that that was one thing the writers didn't waste time on. It's like, yes, yeah. this is Angelique, yes, she's back. Yeah. She's not Cassandra, she's Angelique. Yeah. And which which I was appreciative because, you know, when we this again, this is way forward, but we've just come off talking about this. When we when we do nineteen or yeah, nineteen seventy parallel time and you know, we get Angelique's sister we, we spend all this time not knowing if she's really Alexis you right. know so right. I'm, I'm I'm grateful to the writers that they were straight up about this right <laughs> and I was going to mention that as well because we recently talked about it with Penny but because of this situation you're like oh yeah that's Angelique she's done right. this before and la-di-da right but, we were very skeptical going into parallel time <laughs> yes but I'm glad again they switched it around on us and gave us what they gave they, us they kept us hooked, it man. was good it was good <laughs> And so, so we see Barnabas at the old house, and uh-huh. he's received a letter from Cassandra, but just from the handwriting, he knows that it's Angelique. Oh, yeah. I'm like, did she really think she could fool him? Yeah. And she wrote to him and asked if they could meet that evening because Roger would be in town for a meeting. Mm-hmm. And she states in the letter that she feels like she already knows him and that it would be a pleasure to see him again. And after, as Barnabas finishes reading the letter from Cassandra, Professor Stokes shows up at the old house at mm-hmm. Barnabas's request. Mm-hmm. And we learn that Barnabas has asked him for a talisman that will provide him protection from a witch. And he has given Professor Stokes absolutely no details. Yeah. He just wants the talisman. Yeah. And Professor Stokes tells him that the talisman he brought protected one family from witchcraft for 500 years. Mm. And we did discuss this moment with Jewel on Resident of Collinwood on his YouTube channel. And Professor Stokes does not willingly give up the talisman. Yeah. And Barnabas is all too anxious just to get it for him. He's like, I'll pay you for it. I'll give you whatever you want, you mm-hmm. know. But Barnabas is all too anxious to get it from him because he knows the danger he's in with Cassandra. He's already figured it out, too. Right. But Stokes arrives and wants hospitality. He's like, Did, are, you, are you even going to offer me a drink? You know? Right, right. And, and 
<laughs> it's just so I love I love Professor Stokes. I love his rawness. I love his straight to the point. Just get to the dang point. Right. But you know, if you're gonna have me over to your house, at least be kind. You mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. At least buy me a drink first. Right. Exactly. But I mean, he can see that Barnabas is obviously stressed out and nervous. And Barnabas gives the professor a glass of sherry and then asks to see the talisman. And Professor Stokes says, yes, you can see the talisman when I see the witch. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And Barnabas tells him he's mistaken and he only wants it because he's been studying witchcraft. And the talisman he wants to buy, he wants to buy it from him. And Stokes talks about the talisman and other things about Barnabas's house that he finds fascinating. You know, this table, I bet it's from this, you know, this mm-hmm. creator. And, and, you know, he's just fascinated by Barnabas's house because Barnabas has taken great pains to make it accurate, you know, and the professor's just like, this is cool, you know, but Barnabas doesn't want to hear about it. He just wants the talisman. Right. And Professor Stokes picks up on it. He's like, you're pretty impatient about this, you know, and Barnabas offers him a thousand dollars for it. And, Stokes is like, I can't take that money because I might need it back, you know? And he's like, I could never pay that back. Yeah. Yeah. And Barnabas wants to know how the professor knows that he needs it. But Stokes tells him that he doesn't know for certain, but he trusts his assumptions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Stokes in this moment, like tried to probe the crap out of Barnabas as to why he needed the talisman, but Barnabas wouldn't tell him. Yeah. And I think later on it does change, but I think in this moment, Barnabas doesn't know Stokes well enough and didn't think that he could share that information in good conscience, you know? I mean, it's smart on Barnabas's part, but also the way Stokes approached them from the beginning. Mm -hmm. I mean, he did everything he could to let it be known that he was someone to be trusted. Right. We've we've discussed this with with Jewel and Penny also, but... Uh Professor Stokes, at the moment, he, he is he is very much like a Van Helsing at this point. Yeah. And I think Barnabas picks up on that. Like, he's more like a detective. I, I think that if Professor Stokes ever knew that Barnabas was a vampire, I don't think that Stokes would have staked him. I don't think he would have. I think he would have been too fascinated with it. Yeah. And he would have done his best to help Barnabas. Mm-hmm. But Professor Stokes never once figured out that Barnabas was a vampire. Not ever. Which yeah. shocked me about him because, yeah. you know, he's very intuitive with these things. And he was very intuitive in this moment, too. Yeah. It's like, even though Barnabas won't tell him a single thing about why he wants the talisman and is so eager to get it, like, so much to pay $1,000 for it, he was like, I can tell you need this. Mm-hmm. He's like, I have no proof, but I trust my assumptions. And and gives it to him and leaves. You know, like, he, he leaves. And yeah. rather urgently, I'd say. But Barnabas... Um, I think it goes I think it goes back to the trust thing. But Stokes seemingly already knew that Barnabas needed protection from a witch, even though he didn't know who the witch was, yeah. which is why he, you know, gave up the talisman, you know, and he even suspected that he himself might need it later on. And again I'll say I think Stokes was such a smart and intuitive man and he often knew the answers to questions before he would even ask them. He was often, often one step ahead of everyone. Mm-hmm. And but the Barnabas, he knew he was meeting Cassandra later that night, so he has the talisman when Cassandra comes. Yeah. And this is when, this, this moment is when Barnabas chooses to square off with Angelique. Oh, yeah. And she vehemently denies up and down, up and down, and insists that she is Cassandra. Mm -hmm. I don't know, you are crazy, I I am Cassandra. And I think that Barnabas knew that she wouldn't go to Roger with what Barnabas said to her. Mm -hmm. I mean, because it's pretty incredible. Mm Mm-hmm. And hard to back up. Yeah. The argument's really hard to back up. And if she did, she ran the risk of being exposed as Angelique. Yeah. 
And it's incredible to me that she denied she was Angelique to his face every time Mm -hmm. he brought it up. Mm -hmm. Even though it becomes more and more clear who she really is. Yeah, she denied it till the very last second. It's like she tried so hard to hide it, but not really. Yeah. She wanted him to figure it out so hard, but she wanted to do her best to hide it. Right, exactly. It's like... She, she wanted him to have that fear, yeah. but at the same time, I think maybe she felt like she had to just keep denying it, or the fact that she denied it was enough to cover it up. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think she took into account that Barnabas would figure it out, and Vicky would figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I think slightly she wanted to be, she wanted them to know. She wanted right. to be exposed, at least to them. Like, because the family would never buy it. And like you said, to, it's for him to have that fear. Yeah, exactly. But not to any, and everybody else. Roger like, and Liz, they would never figure it out. No, Who's Angelique? Not in this day and they, time. They didn't know who Angelique was, so why why would they suspect her? Right. And and right. they would never buy it if, if Barnabas was like, this is a witch. You know? Right, right. They would never buy it. Right. So so Barnabas takes the talisman to Dr. Lang, who, who scoffs at it. He's, he's a man of science. He scoffs at the fact that it's a, it was a witch who cursed Barnabas to be a vampire, even though the, there's no scientific reason for it. Yeah. There's no scientific reason for a vampire. A vampire is not a scientific thing. It's a supernatural thing. Yeah. So, but, but Dr. Lang is a skeptic. He's a man of science. He's very brilliant. But just then, Cassandra comes knocking on Lang's door, and Lang stuffs Barnabas in the study while he deals with her. <laughs> yeah. And she comes with the same hurt ankle that she faked at Collinwood. Mm-hmm. And she tries to cast another spell on Eric, but she causes him to feel pain and his heart to beat very fast, and she tells him he's going to die. Kind of like a Ben Stokes thing. Mm-hmm. And he struggles to the desk and picks up the talisman and it all goes away. Mm-hmm. And Cassandra leaves feeling defeated, you know. Yeah. It's like, And I think this woke Eric up to Angelique. Yeah. Like, it woke him up. He was like, okay, I get it now. I, I believe. I, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> and he even told Barnabas that he didn't want to believe him. And Barnabas wants him to do whatever he has planned at this moment. But Eric tells him, I, I can't. My experiment's not ready. It's not ready. And we're like, what experiment? What dead arm? We, we know you have know. a dead arm. Yeah. <laughs> and the only way he can explain it to Barnabas is to show him. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, mm-hmm. you, you've done your time. You deserve to know. So he takes him down to the lab and shows him what he's been working on. I'm sorry to laugh. It's just so incredible, even for Dark Shadows to do. And Dr. Lang has an unfinished body on the table in his mm-hmm. lab. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no head on it yet, but, you know, there, there's pretty much a full body. That arm that we saw earlier was, like, the last bit to the body part of it, I think. And he tells Barnabas that he will live in this body, freed from the curse. Yeah. And he says that Barnabas's life force will be drained from him and into the unfinished body. Yeah. And I think I think we all we all had questions about this. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Barnabas certainly did. He he realizes now that Eric Lang is a mad scientist mm-hmm. in a way. We mm-hmm. have a Frankenstein yeah. sitting here creating a body. He is our Frankenstein. He's our Frankenstein, y'all. <laughs> and he's created a man from dead parts, from dead body parts, in a very Frankenstein way and expects Barnabas to live in this body. Mm-hmm. Who who doesn't have questions? Not just about to that? bring a thing to life that you created, but to drain a life force from another person into another yes. thing that you created. Dr. Frankenstein, I didn't see you do that. I mean, yes, he did. That was the, the end, added bonus with this project here. Yes. So now, now we realize what Jeff Clark's job is with Eric Lane yes. and why he was found in the cemetery. Yes. His yes. job was to retrieve the body parts from recently deceased people and all of the weird encounters between the two of them. It, it just, it, it, it all, it all comes together. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So in the next scene, we see the two of them in a cemetery mm-hmm. waiting for a body to be buried. The yeah. guy is literally putting the dirt on top of on the, the mound still, yeah. still burying it. Yeah. And they exchange some words about Jeff not wanting to do this work anymore. Yeah, fair enough, dude. <laughs> and and how Eric says he's um, doing admirable work. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff tries to refuse, but Lang reminds him of his past, of course. You know, yeah, the blackmail yeah, yeah. one thing. And Jeff doesn't even really know. He doesn't what it know. Is. He remembers nothing about it. But this blackmail he's got over him, you know, um, Jeff remembers nothing. Um, he's convinced that Lang is making it up, but Lang tells him that he was found wandering with a piece of rope in his pocket and that strands were found on the necks of two women. That were strangled. Like, Jeff doesn't have any of this evidence, hard yeah. evidence. But this is all coming from Dr. Lang. But how he do you no argue idea. this when you don't even know? Right, exactly. He he has he has to take Lang's word for it. Yeah. And it sucks, but yeah. here it is. Yeah. But Jeff doesn't care, makes Lang dig the grave himself. Now, I have to say, you know, he found the rope in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is me connecting dots that may not be there, but I'm going to connect them anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is the first time it's occurred to me, but I believe the rope was found in Jeff's pocket because he's Peter Bradford and he was hung for murder. That's why the rope was in his pocket. Uh, the rope from the freaking news. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it might be dots that aren't there, but I'm connecting them. <laughs> I mean, that's the only dots they give us. Exactly. So, so yeah. I think, and, and you know, all the times I've ever seen this, I didn't connect those dots until I was doing my homework for this episode. Mm-hmm. I'm like, holy mm-hmm. crap. Mm-hmm. The rope was in his pocket because he was hanged for murder. Yeah. And and he probably, from that moment, probably transcended time yeah. into current time. Kind of like Vicky did, like, yeah. at the right moment. Probably, and, and Dr. Lang probably found him in old period clothes. Mm-hmm. Just like Vicky and Barnabas saw him randomly on the road. Ex- like, it, it's exactly. just, he was literally dropped in time. Exactly. Just like Vicky was. She, she showed just, up in the old timey clothes with yeah. a freaking bullet wound in her neck. Or yeah. in her neck. <laughs> in her arm. Sorry. Yeah. No. yeah. But that those are the dots that I'm connecting. So, yeah, I think the rope from the noose was in his pocket. And I think that's why it was found there. But yeah. so so next we see Barnabas and Julia. They're meeting at the gazebo because this is a safe, neutral place, I guess, where nobody guess, can hear them. I guess. Even though it's on property and people are walking that property all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Barnabas has asked Julia to meet him there because he wants her advice on Lang's proposal. You know, his mind has been blown with this body in the lab. And right. Dr. Lang wants him to live in it and be like, Julia... Now, this is where the trust factor is with mm-hmm. Julia and Barnabas. Barnabas mm-hmm. wants her opinion. Yeah. It's like, Julia, what do you make of this? And Barnabas wants to know what kind of man he is and what kind of doctor he is because Julia and Eric have worked closely together. Mm-hmm. And Julia assures him he's an excellent surgeon and she wants to know what the experiment is, but Barnabas won't, he won't divulge any details. Julia feels he's, she's like, it's, it's too risky. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I tried to cure you too and couldn't, you mm-hmm. know. Barnabas feels like Angelique has returned only to restore the curse. And if he doesn't make his move soon, it'll be too late. Right. And and right. he's not wrong. I mean, she told the porch that he was like, make no mistake. This curse is going to be back on you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Jeff and Vicky show up at the gazebo to talk as Barnabas escapes into the trees. You yeah. know, again, at the freaking yeah. gazebo. And <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> Jeff begins to tell Vicky about not knowing anything about him or about himself or his past. And all that he knows is that he was in a sanitarium before he came to work for Dr. Lang. And Vicky is still sure he's Peter Bradford, and he tells her that he wishes he could be Peter Bradford for Vicky's sake. And they share a kiss, and Barnabas is looking on from the trees, brooding and <laughs> feeling sorry for himself, yes. and jealous. And yes, rude. but but instead of going the other way like Barnabas did the first time he heard about you know yeah. them being in love, I don't want to do this anymore. He goes to Lang and says, "I'm ready. Yeah. I, I will cooperate. Yeah. What are we doing?" 
And like little by little, everything is just pointing towards, okay, I don't give a crap anymore. Right. Let's just do it. Right. I've got and, nothing to lose. But and... he did ask him, he was like, is there still a chance for me to have Jeff Clark's face? Is there still a chance? And Dr. Lang tells him, yeah, I can mm-hmm. give you Jeff Clark's exact face. Mm-hmm. You see what I've done here. I can take his face. He ain't about this no more. We need to get rid of him anyway. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Let's do it. Exactly. So next we see Carolyn, who we haven't seen for a while. Yeah, yeah. And she returns home and meets Cassandra. Mm-hmm. And she's shocked, of course, but she's more kind than any other member of the family toward towards her. Yeah. And that moment Tony Peterson has also come to talk against her will. <laughs> and Cassandra overhears them talking about that night that Tony saw her and Barnabas together at the house, you know. <laughs> right. Kissing that old man. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And while they're fighting about it, Cassandra takes Tony's lighter. And and this yeah. is this is how she draws Tony in, is yeah. with the lighter. Yeah. And she summons him with the lighter while he was at the old house, asking Barnabas about the incident as well. Tony's got balls, man. Mm-hmm. He's very Humphrey Bogart, and I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And, um, yes. So, I, every time he lights a cigarette and smokes it, I'm like, man, that's a handsome man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry Lacey. But <laughs> so he leaves the old house at once and realizes his lighter is missing and finds her on the gazebo <laughs> crying. And she, she puts on the facade of being upset over no one a Colin would accept in her. And she feels lonely and yeah. she gains his trust and his sympathy and she produces his lighter. Yeah. And she lights it up and... He's under her spell and agrees to come to her whenever she calls him. Yeah. So that's how she gets him with his lighter. Yeah. And even even when he she gives the lighter back to him, you know, she still uses that lighter in, in later later episodes. So and I like this part, like because it's coming up mm-hmm. pretty much next. Mm-hmm. But Barnabas in the next scene here, Barnabas um, has a dream that night about Angelique. And she doesn't look like Cassandra, though. She shows up looking like Angelique. Yes. And the then, Angelique Even in the period clothes, yep. Yes. She comes in his dream to tell him how the curse will return to him. Mm-hmm. And she intends to return the curse to him via dream. Via a dream curse. And friends... I'm going to stop right there because that's all the time we have for, for this one. Because next time... The dream we- curse is going to take... Some time, guys. A, a long time. Now, I, I did the math on this when I was when I was doing my homework. And this saga, this dream curse sequence. Now, I know Dark Shadows fans, we have a lot of mixed feelings on it. Some of you hate it. Some of you love it. I personally love the dream curse. I love it. I don't care. I will hear that that, that dream curse over and over and over, and I, I eat that up. But it's it's about, you know, if you, if you have the box set, if you have the coffin box set, it is about almost two collections worth of information. It's crazy. It's a long saga. Yeah. So, sweeps, sweeps. Yes. No, so, <laughs> so with that said, the dream curse, we're going to start on this the next time we do an episode. The dream curse is probably going to take three or four parts, guys. So stick with us. We yeah. have a lot of information on this dream curse because it's not only the dream curse. There is so much that happens within yeah. this dream curse saga. We get we get to meet Adam. We get to meet Nicholas Blair, yes. y'all. We get yes. to, there are so many parts. We get a little more on Harry we as do. well. We do. 
And so we, there's a lot to cover. So stick with us through this dream curse, you mm-hmm. guys. Mm-hmm. I know that we have mixed feelings on it, but, you know, this is our show and I freaking love it. So yes. we're going to talk it to death. So that is what we got for you next time, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. We, we love having you listen. We love your comments. We, we, we love you all, Dark Shadows fans. And please reach out to us with any questions or comments. Um, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We are on YouTube. Um, as always, we are at Between the Shadows 2021 at Gmail. Um, but until next time, remember to keep it between us and the shadows. Good night. Good night. So many years, Barnabas, and I would have never had known that you were free from your chains. If Victoria Winters had not come to the past, you think you have escaped me, even now. You may walk in the sunlight today, but you have not escaped. No, Barnabas, in time. In time, you will find the curse back with you again. You've been listening to Between the Shadows, a Dark Shadows podcast. All original Dark Shadows music, video clips, images, and media are the sole property of Dan Curtis Productions and is only used to promote Dark Shadows and should not be distributed, copied, or reproduced.